And we are finally back. Been a bit of a minute since we've been on here. Uh, both had work commitments. I know, I know, shocker, we do actually still have to work. I, I am blown away and a little perturbed by the situation as well, but it's what we're dealing with. <laughs> so uh, tonight on the show, we'll go over kind of what we've seen from the playoffs, what's next for a couple teams, and we will actually get into a little bit of the NBA lottery that just happened. I don't know That's who's right. going to go number one. Wide open field this year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit a little bit of college basketball and finish the night with our top ten list, the top ten players under 25 currently in the league. Sounds good. Sounds tonight. good. Ja Morant. Oh, Ja Morant. Oh, 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 man. It did you not learn your lesson when they suspended you for eight games because you're flashing a gun in a strip club? No, no, you didn't. You got on Instagram. If you can't take anything else away from this job, get off Instagram. Tell your friends to get off Instagram. Stop flashing guns on Instagram. And if you're going to flash guns, get off Instagram. Don't get it. I, I just, like, my gosh, man. Like, you're now looking at at least a – I mean, I think at minimum he's getting suspended 30 games. I, you know, you, they interview Adam Silver tonight at the draft, and he basically says, well, we're expecting the worst. That's not the Grizzlies saying that. That's not an NBA commentator saying that. That's the commissioner of the league. That is right. commissioner of the league you play in saying we are expecting the worst. So if you're John Morant – or his camp, or the Grizzlies, and you think he is going to somehow skirt this? Yet, yeah, no. He's getting suspended. It's going to be a lengthy suspension. And I, Al, I actually thought of something else today. So, side note to everybody, we actually started recording this last night, but Al's air's out and he's upstairs right now. So, he had to record <laughs> downstairs and we lost that one because we lost Al at some point in the night. Um, but I actually thought about this – uh, later day, China, China hacked my computer. Yeah, it's probably Russia. <laughs> um, so I actually thought about this this morning. Actually, you know, how does this affect the Grizzlies with Tyus Jones? You know, I, I think our thought has been, oh, they're they're going to use him as trade bait. Like he's not going to be with the team next year. I mean, you don't have John for 35, 40 games, thirty minimum. You probably are going to need Tyus. I agree. It looks like Tyus might be your number one point guard going forward, potentially. Who, I mean, who knows with everything going on? Um, I had the direct quote from Adam Silver at the NBA lottery tonight. He says, honestly, I was shocked when I saw this week, when I saw this weekend, that video. He says, now we're in the process of investigating it. We'll figure out exactly what happened to the, to the best we can. The video is a bit grainy and all that, but I'm assuming the worst. Do you really think only 30 games for assuming the worst, or do you think the games don't matter and it'll be – I mean, I shouldn't say the games don't matter, but do you think it'll be a 25 to 30-game suspension and just really hitting them hard when it comes to, you know, his salary and, a, you know, a money-type a money type fine? What do you think – what do you think hits him the, the hardest? Do you think both, or do you think more – taking the money out of out of his checkbook. What do you think? Well, I look at it two ways. First off, I mean, if you suspend Ja for 30 games, 
Because I, I really, I think, I think 25 to 30 is the minimum we see. So that's already missing half the season basically right there. So, okay, so you're not even going to be in game shape until game 47, 48. Okay, so you're not going to make the All-Star team. You're not going to make an All-NBA team. The Grizzlies have now played without you for over a third of the season. I mean, it's going to take you, what, game 60 to start getting in a rhythm with any new additions? 65? Yeah. Do, you mean, remember, do you remember Gilbert Arenas' gun problems? Yeah, he thankfully just brought it into the locker room, you know. <laughs> but that was what, 50 games, I think? I think that was 50, but I think the I think the reasoning behind it is he brought it onto an NBA property. Yeah. Uh, now, so I'm looking right now. Um, well, the most of all time, the like I'm I'm trying to think of like the biggest suspensions of all time. Ron Artest, 73 Ron games. Ron Artest is up there. Steven Jackson. 2004. Um, Steven Jackson's up there. Uh, Latrell Sprewell. Um, that was a 68-game suspension. It looks like Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas. That was what, 08-09? That was in that 08-09 range. It was yeah. his time in Washington. Yeah, so um, – Gilbert Arenas, I was trying to see how long his suspension was. I want to say it was 50 games. So that was when I thought – when I saw this happen again, that's what made me think about Ja getting maybe that 40 to 50-game suspension. I think you're right that it was 50. Um, I, I do remember all that happening. You know, I mean, it was – it was it was 2009. Yeah. But you know, I think it was 50 games if I want to if I remember correctly. I don't know how just, much that well, fine, they though. Well, him indefinitely. Um so I don't really know. I guess I think it ended up being 50 that he he was yeah. for the remainder of the season. So I yeah, think which it ended, ended up being around 40 or something. Yeah. And that was a date that was David Stern in as commissioner then. Um, well, here's the thing: if David Stern would have been the commissioner when the first time this happened, I oh, think yeah. he's been in for thirty games, twenty five. Yeah, he he would have come down hard. He would have come down really hard. Um, I think David Stern was a pretty, you know, he was a pretty tough because he sat down with Carmelo. Some Carmelo was going through some things, kind of like Ja was, and uh, kind of sit down and told him like, look. Here's what's going to happen if you keep up the behavior. But uh, back to the Grizzlies, they they had some decisions to make. Um, ja has a five-year, $194 million contract. And if you're being – if you're going to be suspended half the season, what are – you know, I don't know what the Grizzlies are going to do about that contract. I mean, you can't pay them that. Because Ja is being paid the 194 million to play in 82 games, or probably what five to 82 games. Because I know they like to, you know, we're in the era of rest your guys every 10 to 12 games. But you know, I just I don't see any possible way that you can pay him that money after these these on these off the court issues that are coming that are you know happening. And look, I'm rooting for Ja. I'm on Jaws' team, and I'm rooting for him just because I want to see him be successful. 
uh, most importantly, off the court, you know, because, you know, our off the court, who we are off the court is more important than who we are on the court. But just want to see Joe. The only problem is he keeps doing it to himself. You know, the, his his decisions have put him where he is. And um, you hate to see it. And at the end of the day, he gets paid to play basketball. And regardless of what you do off the court, if your off the court issues are taking you away from that, there's gonna, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at it a lot of different. I think you can take this and look at it a lot of different ways. You know, one is I think you look at it from a does John need to tighten his circle? I mean, this is about the fifth instance this year where either he or someone in his circle have caused some problem to the NBA. Right. Whether that be the incident with his people in the Pacers, whether that be the incident with his dad and Shannon Sharp, whether it be his two gun instances, like it just – and he's with, he's with his group at one of those. So it's just like – I'm of the opinion that maybe you got to tighten your circle a little bit and maybe you got to completely cut it off. I don't know. And that's a question. That's a talk the Memphis Grizzlies are going to have to have with John Morant because, I mean, look, look how much money they're investing in this kid. Oh, almost $200 million. And, you know, he's obviously not going to get everything this year because I, I would imagine that contract, although fully guaranteed, does have some sort of morality clause in there that Ja has 100% violated. Right. But it's a, uh, it's a sad situation. And, and, and I don't, I don't know what really the answer is other than, I mean, this kid has to get his head on straight. There, there's right. no other way. I mean, look, you can, I mean, you live in Memphis. I've, I'm from the area like, we know about Memphis, and you hear the stories. You hear the perception. I mean, it's true. You know, Memphis, there are people in Memphis who don't care who you are. And they, you know, I mean, you look at all the people that have been killed in Memphis in the past two years. I mean, you know, famous people. And right. so I, I worry about a safety more than worrying about him like the Memphis Grizzly. Like, I worry about this kid's safety. Like, I mean, right. you come up to a red light in Memphis, and it doesn't matter if you're joking around or you're filming a video, but if you are if you pull a gun out, like, there's bad things that can happen. Right. And the thing is, it, in general, regardless of whatever you do kind of in life, a lot of times when you have success, that puts even more of a target on your back. You know, when you have success and other people don't have that same success, you know, sometimes they're finding a way to take that away from you. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of the world we live in. So that's the that's that's when I think for Ja, like just because he's two time uh, NBA all star has, a, you know, a net worth. I would say probably in the next years, close to probably over. 50 million dollars like that puts a target on your back a lot of times more you have more people out to get you than you have that are on your side that's all i'm trying to you know what i mean so because yeah. people people want to be living that lifestyle people want to be the nba superstar they want to have all the nice cars the nice um off the court lifestyle and sometimes you know people want to take that away from you 
and they're jealous. They're jealous of what you have and who you are. Yeah, and and I'll I'll end it and we'll move on with it. It's a quote I heard from Brian Burwell. Um, it's talking from the Detroit pre uh, the, the Detroit Free Press for years. He was talking about Chris Weber, and this was Chris Weber admission, and he said. I often felt Chris was uncomfortable in his own skin. He wanted to be that inner city street kid, and he wasn't. He wasn't Jalen Rose who went to Detroit Southwestern. He wasn't Jawan Howard who came from the south side of Chicago. He was Chris Weber who went to Detroit Country Day. I mean, I understand Detroit isn't the best city in the world, but he was at a private school. Charter bus to every game. Yeah, Jaws from a private school in South Carolina in a town of about 3,000 people and then went to Murray State. I, I, I feel like Jaw is kind of almost overcompensating for this, you know, I, wanting to show that he's this tough inner city street kid. And this is not the time to do it. Right. I mean, your job is to play basketball. That needs to be his number one focus. Um, I know, you know, everybody, everybody at times, even the best players in the world, they've had their own, you know, off the court struggles, off the court things that have taken place uh, with Kobe, even Michael Jordan. But at the end of the day, you you know, I think about those two guys just because I, those are the, you know, most successful guys that I've seen, obviously LeBron. Um, but you just you 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 didn't hear anything about the off the court stuff at, at times. You, they were focused on ball and ball only. So I think John needs to figure out what he's here to do. And uh, according to the money that's at stake, it looks like he's here to play basketball, whether you like that or not. I mean, that's that's what he's getting paid to do, and it's your job to do it well and at a high level. So there's people that are counting on you, and uh, there's a lot of people in the stands that are. Him, buying the uniforms, buying the shoes that are putting money in his pocket. So those are the guys. I mean, at the end of the day, those are who you need to, to do it for, you know, do it for yourself because you love it, but also um, understand who's kind of keeping you at that level. Well, and you hit on something right there that I, I want to touch on before we move on. You talked about doing it for the people and doing it for the franchise. You got people looking up to you. And we touched on this last night, you know, and, and it, it, I, we touched on it last night and I, I said, and I'll repeat that statement. You know, I, I've talked to people over the past two days and I think a portion of the fan base, I don't know that he's ever going to win them back. I, yeah. I think, I, and I think you would agree with that. I think there is a portion of this fan base that is in this, I, I'm done with you. And, and yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, you know, 2% or 1%. I think that percentage is pretty high right now. Now, can he win some of those people back? Yeah, absolutely. Will he? That's up to him. Right. Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people say this is strike two. But, you know, I think he's kind of at strike seven or eight, apparently, you know, according to a lot of things that came out this year. Um, So, who knows what's going to happen? I, the, the crazy thing about this story is we could continue to talk about it because there's just that whole other element about not just what the league does about uh, job, but what do the Grizzlies do with job? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother um, 
you know, talk for another for sure. How the Grizzlies handle the situation and what the Grizzlies do going forward to try to put the best 10 guys on the court that can go win games and compete at a high level. So, because you got to think the Grizzlies have a lot, there's a lot of big things coming in the next couple of years. You know, the Grizzlies have to do some things to keep a franchise in the city and they have to do some things to keep producing. And uh, a lot, I mean, you got to keep, you got to find a way to put, to put fans in the stands and people are coming to watch John Moran in Memphis. So if he's not playing and the team's not winning. I'm just saying that that creates a very interesting future for, for the franchise. Yeah, I agree. And so we'll move on now. Again, we said we could talk about that for probably about an hour and just the ramifications of everything, but going on into the show tonight, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs here. And obviously we're watching game one now between uh, Denver and L.A. Denver right now is just absolutely hammering L.A. on the boards, which I kind of thought would happen. But, I, Al, I think it's one thing that you and I have talked about a couple times in this playoffs about, you know, we talk about Nikola Jokic and yeah. how big of a matchup problem and nightmare he is for anybody And right now, I mean, through 18 minutes, he looks like he's going to be an absolute menace to this L.A. Lakers team for however long this series lasts. You know, I I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. It is amazing how underrated he truly is as a player. I agree. This is a guy that's a two-time MVP. He's so efficient. Like – I'm going to pull up his – I'm going to – we're going to go over some stats here in a little bit. But just talking about tonight, he already has 14 rebounds and there's seven minutes left in the second quarter. Like, he does everything. He does everything for your franchise. He gets – he he does the the dirty work. He gets the, the offensive boards, offensive putbacks, gets the defensive rebounds. And to be honest, his outlet passing – remember how good Kevin Love was in the past at that really good outlet pass? That's what Jokic can do as well. And Jokic is, has that ability to get the ball out to a guard like a Jamal Murray, like a Caldwell Pope, and, you know, start the break early. And then, two, just his ability to establish himself at that, you know, 8 to 12-foot range and be able to score over both, you know, his left shoulder, right shoulder, and play at his pace. He doesn't like anybody. People try to play so physical with him, but he never looks sped up. And he never looks he never looks flustered. It looks like he's always in control of not only himself, but the guy that he's that's guarding him. So I just think it's unbelievable just how efficient he really is. And I I'm gonna go ahead and say that the Denver is my favorite to win the to, to win the finals right now. I think they're I think Mike Malone does a heck of a job with them. And I think I think having Jokic and Murray. I think, that's a, I think that's a dynamic duo that's going to be tough to stop over the next couple of weeks. So, Al, from a coaching perspective, as I'm now sitting here watching Jokic bring it down the court, how big yeah. is it when your center can bring it, you know, 45, 50 feet for you and really be the focal point of your offense because he can dribble. He's literally – I mean, he is a triple threat there. He gets in the top – he sits oh. about 18 feet from the basket. and I mean, yeah. he just dictates everything. Well, it's everything. It's everything when, like, so 
the Warriors really kind of got going with the with the five out type system back when they, you know, when 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 we saw Steph and Clay really getting going when it comes to their ability to play off each other and their shooting ability. But really, you have Draymond Green, you have Andre Iguodala. They're the I, they are the point guards. Even a Sean Livingston at times, those guys were the point guards on that team. Those are the guys that can get the rebound and push it up to the middle of the floor. And that allowed you to, that allowed you in those situations to have a clay or a step in the corner. And instead of clay or Steph having to make a pass and then get some action, whether that be like a, a flare screen or a pin down, you already have those guys ready to immediately come off screens. And then the beautiful thing about that, when you have a big guy handling the ball, like a Jokic, you not only can you pin down for like a Murray, but if he's not open off that initial pin down, you can go straight into some sort of DHO, what I mean by dribble handoff. And, you know, that defender's having to fight through two screens against a really good offensive player. And you have to make that choice. Do I go under or do I go over? And to be honest, in a lot of cases, the wrong, you know, either choice is the wrong choice with some of these guys. So it's just kind of like pick your poison and what are you willing to give up? Yeah, I just also watched about a minute ago Jokic just put Anthony Davis in an absolute spin cycle. So right. moving, moving on through this series, you know, what are kind of your – I'll give my keys, I guess a couple of my keys to the series first, and I'll let you go after. Yeah. We so staying I, on the Western Conference series? Yeah, yeah we're going to okay. stay on this, and we'll kind of deep okay. dive it just for a minute here. We yeah, do get yeah that other. sounds good. You know, I think one of the big keys for the Lakers is – you know, who's going to be the guy to step up this this series? You know, series, the first series it was Hachimura. Yeah, Jokic is just stupid. Bob. Jokic playing point – sorry. Jokic playing point guard. <laughs> yeah. So, as I was saying, you know, I think my first key is going to be who is, who's going to step up for the Lakers this series? You know, series against the Grizzlies, it was Hachimura and Reeves and Russell at the end. Last series, it was – Reeves and Lonnie Walker and Dennis Schroeder. Like, who's going to have to step up for the Lakers to be, you know, to win this series? And I don't know if there's anyone left. Right. It looks like Schroeder's having a good game to start this game. He's hit a couple shots. Um, I tell you one thing that is that I saw today, and I was thinking about this. I think Austin Reeves, people are hyping him up, you know, $80 million man, $80 million man. I think at times that this might be the worst time he can be hearing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that stuff, look, these guys are humans, and I, I understand that I would be in that situation too. Like, hearing that, hearing that, hearing that, I'm worth this, I'm worth this. Sometimes that can get in your head more than, hey, I got to go out and perform and make shots and make the right play on offense and make the right rotation on defense. Sometimes those things can get in your way and affect your performance in a very important series that the Lakers find themselves in. Yeah, I I agree on everything you just said. I think my second point I wanted to highlight was, you know, who's going to be that other person for, for the Nuggets? You know, they and get let me let me preface that with look they can get it done with Jokic and Murray just doing what they do but I right. think they become incredibly dangerous and just incredibly an overwhelming favorite to win the finals is when a guy like KCP when a guy like Michael Porter Jr. 
when a guy like Kentavia or a, a guy like Aaron Gordon or even a Bones Highland or someone like that is able to step up, play major minutes, and and help them because they well, remember always, remember Bones Highland's on uh, the Clippers now. Oh dang it, he was really. I know. Cool. I, as something I keep forgetting too, I have to keep reminding myself of. But, keep that, that, but, but you're that. no, but you're spot on with everything you're saying. Just thinking kind of outside the box with what where you're going. So keep going with that. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to add him to the guy I can't remember. He plays for UConn. I'll, I'll have that on. I'll have that on my board that I'm gonna get. Caravan. To. Yeah, caravan. It still can't remember his name. And actually, I, I did. I am now at the point where I know it starts with a K. So uh, we're moving up in the world. I'm going to uh, send you a text every morning that says Alex Caravan. <laughs> <laughs> but five o'clock in the morning and a yeah. voicemail, Alex Caravan. <laughs> yeah, you know you're you're going or you know you'll be out with friends on a Friday night. You get a voicemail, calls it Alex Caravan. <laughs> Just hang up. They're gonna think. A serial killer or something? No, it's just my buddy I do a podcast with. It's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think Denver is so good just when they get, I mean, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna say average Nikola Jokic game. An average game for Nikola Jokic is 30, 12, and 8. Like, yeah. so that's a little bit different, but even if they get those kind of games from him and Murray has 15 or 20, like, they put themselves in position to win. If they get one more guy to step up, I'm like, I don't know if this team can be beat. Well, they have such an interesting lineup right now. Like, look how athletic Michael Porter is, and he's your stretch four right now. Like, he, he's your stretch four, and you have Aaron Gordon. You have Aaron Gordon, who's just, uh, just a beast defensively. And that is – I think that's the perfect matchup. He – you know what, Rob? He is – who does Aaron Gordon remind you of right now for the Grizzlies who actually gave LeBron some trouble? Well, I mean – oh, uh, Tillman. Uh, yeah, Xavier, more athletic Xavier He's a better – I mean, he's a better, more athletic, better offensive playing Xavier Tillman. And you got him right on LeBron right now. So I'll give you another comp. I think it's a, a even better comp is Brandon Clark. Right. He he he's and he's probably a better shooting Brandon Clark, you know. He's on a liability at the free throw line and can make a mid-range jump shot. Um, also, but I agree, but I agree. That goes to show I know we could we talked about this and kind of, you know, we 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 talked about this all the time. Um but not having Brandon Clark, not having Steven Adams, it goes to show just how crucial those pieces are to have those, in Brandon Clark's case, you know, the 6'8", 6'9", guy that can be very versatile um, on both ends of the floor. Austin Reeves is getting absolutely terrorized. They tried him on Michael Porter Jr. That didn't work. Now they're going to put him on Murray. That might actually work worse. So – Al, what are you kind of seeing as as this series? Because I got Den, I got Denver in six, and I could see Denver in five and be five. I'm gonna go Denver in. Uh, I'm gonna go Denver in six, and that's me being conservative. Exactly. To be honest, that's me. That's and I think that might be you being conservative as well. But uh, before you before you made your pick, that's what I've been thinking about Denver in six, only because I just I think. Their two-man game is, is 
one of the best in the, in the world right now with Jokic and Murray. So to be honest, they remind me of a modern day John Stockton and Carl Malone. I think that I think I think that is a great comparison. Modern day Stockton Malone is Murray and Jokic. I agree a hundred percent. And so again, he has 17 points and 17 rebounds. It's a minute. Mm-hmm. 47 seconds to go in the first half. Does Denver not remind you, though, a little bit of like a new school Utah Jazz, like late 90s Utah Jazz team? They are a better version of that, of those Utah teams. Because Caldwell Pope's kind of your Hornacek. Um, You have, um, who's the other big that, uh, that Denver has? They have another big. Yeah, they do, but I can't think of his name because he just doesn't play a whole lot. I mean, well, Christian Brown. Christian Brown comes in and gives Braun, them good minutes. Yeah, they got Braun. Yeah, He's got that Byron Russell type. See, yeah, Brian, yeah, and and I was thinking uh, Bruce Brown's kind of your Brian Russell type too. Yeah. So Bruce Brown's got like twelve tonight. But uh, man, they're playing well. And look, look at across the board. Um, Look across the board right now. I actually, I was – let me pull it up. I have Jokic's Phoenix stats up. I was going to go through those real quick before we moved on. Um, so, think about how efficient Jokic has been. Jokic in the Phoenix series, and he's continuing that tonight. But Jokic in the series with Phoenix, Western Conference semis, playing – over 30 minutes every game, his highest being 42, but he averaged his lowest field goal percentage in that entire series was the first game he had 24 points and was 42.9% from the field. And every other game he played with the Phoenix Suns, he averaged over 50% from the field. Game two, 56.7. Game three, 57.9. Game four, 66%. Game five, 60%. Game six, 72%. This is a guy that's literally having to earn every shot that he has in the game. He hardly gets wide open shots. And here he is in three straight games shooting over 60% from the field. And he's continuing that tonight. So I'm just saying that Jokic and his efficiency is what I'm really – that that's kind of the eye opening. What I'm keeping my focus on, and that's why that I'm picking them right now to be the NBA uh, Finals champion come June. Yeah, I agree 100. percent And so now we'll move on to our- and a 50 and a sorry and a 53 53 point game in Game Four. I mean, just He's in good. a loss, in a loss, and uh, you know, it looks like the Nuggets are on track to they're on the right they're in the right direction to get the win tonight yep so we'll move on now to the eastern conference finals and the team that has become the favorite of the podcast the (laughs) miami heat heat (laughs) culture baby uh and so i I mean i think this this is is this a heat podcast now (laughs) absolutely this is 100 percent like we look, hey, Eric Spolstra, I know you're listening, man. If you got some time Thursday, I know you're not doing much. Come on, we'll have a talk. And I'll send you my resume. 
I got some really good questions to ask you. <laughs> I need to know the play you drew up for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I think we know the. I think we know that answer, Rob. <laughs> I think we do too. Clear, clear. <laughs> we call that Jimmy. So um, I think this. Series, hey, we're gonna have a. We're gonna have a. Uh, this is gonna. This is a great debate. Jimmy Chitwell or Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I think this series, I, it is just going to be so interesting in so many different levels because you have two guys right now who are top ten players in the league in Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. You've got some really good supporting cast guys, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart in Boston. You have uh, Bam Adebayo, Max Struess, Kevin Love in Miami. You've got really good bench guys in Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Malcolm Brogdon. You've got good bench guys in uh, Miami with Duncan Robinson and Kev and uh, Caleb Martin. Like, this is such an even series from a personnel standpoint. Obviously, I think the Heat have the big coaching advantage with right. O over Joe Mazzulla. But look, Joe Mazzulla's a good coach. This is not yeah. – I mean – this is not some, you know, scrub guy who they just threw in there. I think my first key of the series, and, and I'll kick it to you after this, is, you know, what can the Heat get from Duncan Robinson, from Max Struess, from Caleb Martin? You know, what can they get from those guys? Because you know what Jimmy's going to give you. You know what Bam's going to give you. You kind of right. know what a guy like Gabe Vincent is going to give you. You kind of know what Kay, what Kevin Love is going to give. It's going to be what can we get from those periphery guys, and are they shooting threes? You know, you go back to game five against New York where they were awful for three-quarters shooting threes, and then they just get nuclear in the fourth and they almost pull it out. So I think yeah. the, the Heat's wings and their three-point shooting is my first key to look at in this series. Okay, I like that. And uh, I'll say my key is Marcus Smart versus Jimmy Butler. So I'm going to kind of go – I'm going to attack this. Um, if I'm you know, maybe on the, the Celtic staff. I think that is a huge matchup to try to, to try to lead the Celtics to victory and getting them in the NBA Finals. How does Marcus Smart handle Jimmy Butler? And is Jimmy Butler have is he healthy enough to carry the heat in this series? And I think that the I think that the I think that the Celtics, I think that they're gonna have to really, really clamp down defensively and come up with some some you know interesting, you know, rotations or maybe even a quick double team with the rotation on to, to handle Jimmy Butler. And uh, you know, the big thing is. How do you do? You keep Marcus Smart on him, and if you're when you take him off of Jimmy Butler, who do you put on him? I think that the I think that the uh, that the the Celtics have the depth to be able to really tire him out. So that's going to be interesting. But I'm I'm really looking at that Marcus Smart Jimmy Butler matchup in that series. Because I think that's who the I think that's who the Celtics are going to put on Jimmy Butler. You put your best defender on their best offensive player, and I think Marcus Smart's proven to be their toughest on-ball defender. They put him on Embiid, so I don't see any reason why they wouldn't put him on Jimmy Butler. 
I agree there. And that's something we talked about last night of who they were going to put on Butler. Would it be would it be Tatum? Would it be Smart? I think we both kind of came down on the side that it's probably going to be Smart. My third key, I actually go to another matchup, and it's Rob Williams versus Bam Adebayo. Yeah, that's a big one. I was thinking you know, about that one too. Rob Williams really has not shown up in these playoffs from an offensive standpoint, but there's so much things he does on the block and within, you know, the eight feet from the basket that just affects everything. Now, Bam's bigger, but Williams is taller. And, you know, this was a matchup we really didn't get to – I guess it really wasn't circled last year in the in the playoffs. I don't even know if Rob Williams played. I know he was injured at one point. He may have played in those East finals, but I, I think I think that's a matchup that's going to be huge because, look, Bam Adebayo is going to have to play big for the Miami Heat. Yeah. I agree. And it's going to be interesting. Do you think Bam Adebayo, because Bam Adebayo obviously has a pretty good outside game, mid-range. You know, he can knock down that 15 to 16-foot jumper. Do you think that he's going to try to take away Robert Williams' athleticism and rim-protecting abilities by maybe trying to, you know, get that outside jumper going early? Or do you think he needs to kind of still play inside out? I think you need him inside because if if he if they decide they're going to go outside with this thing, I think you're going to see Boston switch switch over on that. I don't think you'll see a lot of Rob Williams there. I think they'll almost, in a way, just let him like you know just float. But you know it's going to be interesting because again, I also don't think the Heat are going to do that. I think they're going to right. keep Bam out of bio down there because. You know, they want that spacing for Kevin Love, for yeah. Max Struess, yeah, for they, Kevin Martin. And so I think the furthest – now, you know, one thing I think the Heat could do is kind of play Bam in that mid-post in a way that the Nuggets almost use Jokic and see if you right. can get Williams in some of that dribble, dribble handoff stuff where you can get some guys, some quick hitters at the basket. Again, though, look, Boston's a good defensive team. Regardless, right. you're not going to just be able to say, okay, well, if they pull Rob Williams out, like it's it, the Heat, the Heat are just going to run rough shot at the basket every time. Tatum's right. a good defender. Smart's a good defender. I agree. A good defender. Like they have good defenders everywhere on the floor. So, I, you know, it's going to be an interesting series. Yeah. I, I think, I think that their defense doesn't get enough credit. Boston's, I think they've been top 10 or top five all year. But one thing that's interesting is when Spolster even exploits um, a lot of offensive teams by going to that little 2-3 zone, that little matchup, uh, I think that might be something that you see him go to a lot just to keep, just to keep Jason Tatum out of the lane and uh, to try to run down the shot clock, slow the game down at times. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to play his guys longer. I think he's going to play his starters longer. So just trying to, you know, give them, a, you know, a break defensively at times to try to stay in the game longer. So I think, I think maybe that little 2-3 zone matchup that Spolster goes to might be an interesting look that you see in, the, in, these, uh, in this matchup. And what a round two. It's going to be awesome. You know, going seven games last year, Jimmy Butler has a shot to win in game seven. And that was in Miami, right? That was in yeah. Miami. Yeah, in Miami. So had a chance to win. And I think, too, I don't think Boston's getting enough credit. They're down 3-2 to the 76ers 
got to go on the road and get the game, get, you know, get the win. I think that shows a lot of guts what they did to, uh, you know, win that game in seven games or win that series against uh, Philadelphia in seven games. I think that showed a lot of, a lot of guts and a lot of, you know, it showed that Missoula has his team prepared and, you know, ready to win the big games. Yeah. So what's your and Tatum and Tate and Tatum's making the plays against veterans. Just thinking yeah. about the veterans we talked about last night, you know, James Harden, players like that. Jason Tatum is making the plays when he needs to make the plays. So it'll just be interesting to see if he can do it, you know, maybe in these Eastern Conference finals and in the finals again, because he got a lot of heat last year against the uh, against the Warriors. But I think that really, you know, turned his focus to what he needed to do in the offseason to be playing his best right now. So what's your prediction? My prediction is going to be six games again. I think both these series go six, and my finals is going to be the Boston Celtics versus the Denver Nuggets. You got Boston in six. I told you last night, and I haven't shot from it. I'm going Miami in seven. I think the Heat <laughs> – I think this is the Heat's time. I do. I think this is their time. They're a mature team, and they play so well together. You know, they they know what to expect from each other. Um, they know their roles, and they're willing to do whatever they can to fulfill those roles and, you know, help their team win the game. So, And they're just well-coached and well-prepared. So, And they got that winning attitude. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm really looking forward to that series. That's as much as I love the Nuggets and just, you know, even the battle against LeBron and just watching how talented the Lakers have been are and how well they've played, the series that I'm really amped up for is that Celtics Heat series for sure. Yeah. So we'll look like we'll look ahead a little or I guess look back or look ahead. I don't know what way you want to look at it. But the I want to talk about two teams in particular. Okay. The Warriors and the 76ers. Yep. I think both those – obviously, the 76ers are even more at a crossroads today than they were yesterday. But I want to start with the Warriors. Yeah. First off, you know, this has been one of basketball's great dynasties. I think you put them up there with some of the great dynasties we've seen. I think they are at a crossroads, though, on what they want to do. You know, do you want to bring back Green? I don't think they do. Do you want to bring back Thompson? I think yeah. they're 50-50 on that. Um, you know, how much longer is Kerr got? I don't know how much longer Steve Kerr wants to do this. I mean, does he want to do it right. for 10 years? I don't know. My guess is no. So I think there's a lot, a lot of questions for the Warriors right now going into this offseason. What what are what are kind of your thoughts on that? How long? Let's think. So, Steve Kerr did he come? Did he come in twenty thirteen? Came in twenty. I believe he came in fourteen. Did he come in fourteen? I believe so. So, did they fire? So, you remember the year that uh, it was like Steph's first playoff performance? The year they beat the Nuggets and then lost to the Spurs in the Eastern Conference semis or Western Conference semis. Yeah. That was kind of the first time we really saw kind of this Splash Brothers combination really get going. That was Mark Jackson. I know that. But was he there for the next year as well? 
No, Steve took over in 2014. Okay, so so that was the year. So he took over and went on that championship run. That may, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And then um, obviously in 2015, they won the 73 games, right? Yeah, well, you remember yeah. about that. You remember about the 2015 season was when he was out for so long and Luke Walton had to coach him for half the year because of the back right. back back injury. Yeah. And uh, that was the year they still won the 73, right? Correct. But they, they lost yeah. that year. They lost yeah. to the Cavs in the finals. Yeah, it lost to the Cavs in the finals. But I think. I think he's got another. I need to look how old he is. Um, but I think I could see. I could see Steve, uh, Steve sticking around for as long as he really wants to. With when it comes to the Warriors, um, but that's going to be an interesting replacement. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Mike Brown potentially. You know, he's getting a lot of experience in Sacramento. He was one of the main assistants for Steve Kerr. So I could see that being a potential, you know, lead him into that role. Maybe when Steve wants to get out of coaching, um, but you can see, I think Steve, I think, I think it's kind of back to what we talked about, even with Matt Luke and even, uh, um, uh, what's his name for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart. I think Steve Kerr and Kirby kind of have a lot in common when it comes to just. How much longer do they want to do this? Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be a point where Joe Lacob and Bob Myers are ever going to say, you know, yeah. Steve, you got to move on. I think it's going yeah, to be I don't, where Steve comes to them or they go to yeah. Steve and say, hey, look, how much longer do you want to do this? Because, yeah. you know, and you really look the last two or three seasons, it looks like it has aged Kerr tremendously. I agree. I agree. I think so, this year, I think this year took a little bit of a toll on them. You know, just it definitely did. Just the beginning of the year stuff with with Draymond and Jordan Poole, and even hearing what Jordan Poole said. You know, it's it's just business and basketball. Like, there's some tension there, and uh, you almost think those guys are they getting sick of each other a little bit? I don't know. It's just an interest. They just it just seemed like an interesting year for them. They just didn't gel this year. No, not at all. And But I, I kind of agree with you. I, I do think Draymond has played his last game in Golden State. Really? I don't, I don't think he comes back. I, so, I don't, you th- so, so you think that they keep a Jordan Poole over, over him? I do. I, yeah. I think they keep Jordan Poole. I think so, too. I think they keep Clay, but I think it's on some sort of restructured short-term deal. Yeah, maybe a two-year deal or something. And it, Clay's another one. I don't know how much longer Clay has. Clay has had a lot of injuries the last two or three years. I still – he just has never been right since that ACL injury in the finals. Yeah. So He played well last year. He had some big games last year. But this year you could tell that he was, you know, he was kind of – you know, he, he wasn't himself – no, and he he has some tough games, which I, I really respect Clay and just his abilities. But he would even say this, um, being honest with just his play, like he knows that you know he had a couple games where he wishes he could have some of those shots back in that in that Lakers series for sure. Yeah, so I I do think they'll hold this. I think they'll hold Steph and Clay together for a couple more years, and then kind of see where they are. Look, that's still a good team. 
that's still a team. I agree. That's still a team that has Steph Curry on it. Yeah. And they always find a way to get some, you know, they always find a way to get a, get a draft pick in the draft and find someone that they can groom and get ready. So um, I think they're going to need to find another big guy. Um, I think they need to find, um, you know, they need to find a, a really, they have Kaminga. I guess he's kind of your athletic four, maybe even athletic three, but I think they need to find someone else maybe to fill that role too. I think they just need to replace Kaminga. I don't think he's very good. Yeah. Well, they need to find a guy that can really score at that at that position. They need a stretch four. They need a Sean Livingston, and right now they don't have that. Yeah. So they need a Mikel, they need a Mikel Bridges type player. Yeah. Don't mention his name. I don't want any other team to hear about <laughs> him. Uh, so moving on to the next team we're going to talk about. They made it a little easier today to see what they're doing. The Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, we I actually posed this question to you last night. I said, over under of one and a half. How many of the all three of them come back? Well, we're already down to them. Or one we're of down. Them. One's gone, two are left. And I think so, it's going to stay that way. I think I, it's going to stay. I think, you know. This day of the day, this day and age in the NBA, the players, the, the players, you know, come back and the coaches don't. So yeah. that's why I was thinking that just it was kind of either a Doc or James Harden scenario. It looks like they chose Doc. So if you're the 76ers now, and, and what's this will kind of this will kind of go into our next segment as well. Who do you hire? That's tough because I have, I have three names because Bootenholzer has been in the East and Bootenholzer coached Giannis. I kind of put Giannis in that Joel Embiid role, just, you know, coaching a similar type player. You have a Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams got, he has the best record in the NBA over the past, what, three seasons. Yeah. And gets let go. I think he's your number one choice. Um, or do you bring D'Antoni? You, you talk D'Antoni and James Harden have that relationship back in uh, Houston, and Houston didn't have a Joel Embiid on that team. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, are you looking for like a, just a good player coach? I think that's I think that's Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams is a great player player coach. Um, when it comes to a player-led team, I think Monty Williams is good at assembling those. Um, are you looking for, you know, continuing to score a lot of points and, you know, keep your offensive efficiency numbers high with just your style of play? I think D'Antoni's an option. Bootenholzer, someone that knows the Eastern Conference, he's a, he's a good option. But I think the number one guy for them, I think Monty Williams, I think he'd be a great, a great fill-in for that, for that organization, for sure. I agree. I, I, Monty Williams would be my two, my one. D'Antoni would be my two. I'll actually go with my three, Nick Nurse. Yeah, the I former, like him. The former Toronto coach, I think he's going to get a lot of traction this offseason. Um, you so know, do you think, do you think, do you think, if you have Bootenholzer and Nick Nurse, two guys that have won an NBA championship, and you're trying to fulfill a position. Who do you choose over that in that list? 
Because that's an that's what I'm just saying. That's interesting. Is I think one of those guys is going to have a job, and one of those guys isn't. One of those guys is going to have a head job. One of them isn't. I, yeah, I, that's I, yeah, that's what I meant. Head. That's what I meant. Head coaching job. I tend to agree there. Um, I I lean Mick Nurse because I've seen what he can do with with a superstar and I've seen what he can do without a superstar. I've not seen Budenholzer without a superstar. So I lean Mitt Nurse there. You know, right. obviously there's other openings. I mean, Milwaukee's open still. Toronto's yeah. open still. Yeah. You know, a lot of people – what are the other openings? I'm missing one big one. Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, and, now, and now Philly. Yeah. I, I've seen another – Sam Cassell is a name that's come up. Yeah. Philly, I don't know that he gets it. I wonder, though, if he wouldn't get some job somewhere. Yeah. Do you think Steve Nash is a name that people might consider? Or do you think his NBA career is not, not you know, not for a head coaching job? Do you think he's – Steve Nash would be a name I'd look for in Phoenix. Yeah, I agree. I think he'd be a great fit there. With Chris Paul there, I think, you know, having a good point guard that could that he could, you know. Well, and you got campaign. Put in, put in, put, put in yeah, campaign, put in some good sets to really let them run the show and be in control. Um, obviously, uh, Amari Stoudemire is kind of your DeAndre Ayton. So maybe even bringing back that seven seconds or less type style of play with Steve Nash. Yeah, I, think, I think if you go there, I think you got, I think you got to go campaign at point guard. If you're going to go back to the seven seconds or less, which by the way, I think it's what they need to play at. I think they were at their best in the playoffs when they were playing fast. Right. Right. You know, one pass, two passes, let it go. Yeah. The reason I bring up Steve Nash is because I still I think that Steve and Kevin have that have a pretty good relationship. I really do. Yeah, so. no, I agree hundred percent. I think the problem in Brooklyn and everybody else does too was was Kyrie Irving. Yeah, because Steve Nash was a huge piece in getting Kevin to Golden State. Um and right. obviously he was he was the player development guru. They called him Yoda. <laughs> KD called uh, Steve Nash Yoda. He said he had to, he had to go get his Yoda work in, um, or his Jedi work, whatever he called it. It was pretty funny, but but I think they're I think they're a pretty good duo. And you put in a Devin Booker on that team, you know. I think Devin Booker, you know, I think Devin Booker's ready to win a championship. So. It's it's gonna be real interesting how all this plays out. There's a lot of good. You almost think they 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 draw this up just to give you something to talk about in the off season with the NBA, but because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. There is. So looking at Milwaukee, by the way, the Houston Rockets have to be really kind of kicking themselves for hiring. And I don't think Ime Udoka is a bad hire, but man, all these coaches came open after you hire Udoka. You gotta gotta be thinking, man. If we'd have waited like a week or two. See, I think Nick Nurse is a better fit for Milwaukee. Uh, One hundred. Because because Nick Nurse comes. I would say Toronto. Do you think they're more of a small market type team? Yes, in the United States terms, yes. Yeah. So I think they're kind of Milwaukee's that little that small market. 
Pascal Siakam was your stud. He kind of plays like Giannis. So I think he's a smaller Giannis, obviously. Uh, Pascal's probably, what, 6'9", six, 6'10"? Six, six, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously Giannis is, what, 7'1"? Yeah. So I think, I, think Nick Nurse, I think Nick Nurse fits that culture really well. And I think, I I think, Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee would be smart to go and grab him. I agree. I agree 100%. Because you're getting, you're getting a guy – say what you want about Budenholzer. Say it, you know. But you're getting – you know, if you get one of those guys, like you're getting a guy that's – or a coach that's won a championship in the best league in the world. So, you're getting a guy that's won so and been a winner. So – but I really like Nick Nurse in that Milwaukee position. I agree 100%. I, I think – I think Nick Nurse will be really, really good there. So we'll move on a little bit now because we can right. obviously talk coaches for ages as well. Obviously, now everybody's seen it. Um, San Antonio gets the first pick in the lottery tonight. And, and Al, I'll be honest, I don't know who they're going to take. I, this thing is wide open. I've heard about this French kid. They think he's got some upside. Uh, I, I've seen some. I think Adrian Wojnarowski said tonight he was, and I quote, the best player in all of team sports. So I think that means he's going to be pretty good. And, yes, folks, we are talking about Victor Wembanyama, who may be the most slam-dunk number one pick since <laughs> – well, they've already got pictures with the Spurs jersey on them, if that doesn't say anything. Tell you, tell you the story. Uh, also, alert, Nikola Jokic just hit his sixth triple-double this playoffs as he now has 10 assists on the night to go with his 85 rebounds and uh, 28 points. But, you know, you look, at, you look at now San Antonio, who gets Victor Wembanyama. You give Greg Popovich another just can't miss prospect. This he's now had three of them between Robinson, Duncan, and now Wembenyama. And I think We're this not, is what, kind of his guy to ride what, off into the sunsets. In the car, they, what did we talk about in the car, Rob? I can't remember. I remember I brought up Greg Popovich getting the number one pick and getting the big. And he's getting another French guy. What's up with French guys coming to San Antonio? What's up with international guys coming to you know, but Sal, you know, this is crazy. This is crazy. Do you know who owns the team that Victor Wimbanyana plays for? I don't think he owns it. I know you're thinking of Tony Parker. I don't think he Tony, owns I don't think he owns that team though. Well, he's associated with one of those teams he played for, right? Yeah, I don't but he doesn't own a match. He owns the old team that Wimbanyana okay. plays for, okay. not the new team. I'm just saying. He plays for Popovich. He played in San Antonio. Now look who gets the, the, the uh, number one pick. That's just an interesting, interesting, interesting to see how all that plays out. You know, it is, and, and I think, you know, obviously that's just the he's kind of the player. I don't think we've ever seen a prospect like him. I, I just this kid. Most believe he may be the best player in the league by year three. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. A lot of people said if you compared him to LeBron, you know, if LeBron was in the draft now, that people would pick Victor over LeBron. Just 
based off kind of where the NBA is headed and just their skill sets. Um, I would have taken I would have taken women Yama in 04 too. If you tell me a seven one guy's out there shooting threes and can handle the ball, yeah, I'm gonna take him number one then. But I 100, I think he's the most. I'm not gonna sit here and label him the most can't miss prospect since LeBron. That's other people doing that, but he's really, really extremely talented and advanced for how old he is, which I think he's only 18. Yeah. So Wimbanyana goes one. Brandon Miller goes two. I think Scoot Henderson might end Scoot up. Hen- you think Scoot Henderson ends up two? I think Scoot will end up two. So you don't think Charlotte needs a big? Charlotte needs a lot. Yeah. Who, but is, I mean, Brandon- right? who, who is their big right now? Because remember they had – didn't they draft Jalen Duran, but somehow the rights went to uh, Detroit, right? Correct. Um, I'm not even sure. Is it okay? I thought it was Biombo. He plays for Phoenix. I I don't even know. Like, let's see. Um, I mean, I oh, Mark Williams, the kid from Duke. Mark Williams. That's right, Mark Williams. I forgot about him. Yeah. Um. And they need help at like all the positions except point guards. So I didn't really matter. It wouldn't have mattered who they got. But I think Scoot Henderson fits better with LaMelo than Brandon Miller. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. We just got to keep LaMelo healthy. Correct. You did. You did. Um, but look, Brandon Miller's a good prospect. Brandon Miller's a really good prospect. Jokic just had another three. I mean, this is ridiculous. But he's a heck of a player. Yeah. I mean, and folks, for comparison, Victor Wimanyama is like a more polished Nikola Jokic. That should scare yeah. everyone. Better shooting Anthony Davis, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's actually a pretty good comp, too. So I'm actually looking forward to that draft. I think it's going to be. I, I, I know, I know the draft doesn't have the big names that we had like in 2017 um, and just even, well, 2018, but uh, – or sorry, 2019 uh, with Zion and uh, Ja and R.J. Barrett and those guys. But it's – I think there's some pieces there. I think there's some, there's some gold there, you know, some diamonds in the rough that you could find – you know, I'll tell that you, can, I think can make Grady, some big impacts. I think Grady Dick, the kid out of Kansas, I think he is an extremely interesting piece. I agree. I agree. Just a guy that's 6'8 and can shoot the ball and make shots. Um, he kind of reminds me maybe of this Austin Reeves type player. Maybe not as maybe not as good in the pick and roll as Austin Reeves. Probably needs to work on his ball handling. I think Austin Reeves has a his much better ball handler. But uh when it comes to just being able to catch and shoot in a system, Grady Dick can do that. I'll tell you who he reminds me of. It's Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. But yeah. And he's got the size. He's bigger than Pope, too. Yeah. Defensively, he'll have some work to do. Yeah, um, and that's, that's any rookie coming in the yeah. league. 
they're yeah, going to have that's, that's I think that's something that gets under, you know, people don't talk about it enough. It's just the defensive adjustments in the NBA. Uh, more, you know, you got to really, you got to really, really help and recover more. Um, so it's, it's interesting. You know, I think, I just, I think this draft, obviously it's being hyped up after at, with Victor Wimbanyana, but after the draft, it's not really, you know, after he gets picked, it's not really being hyped up a lot. Um, obviously, Brandon Miller, that's an interesting pick just based on everything that went on with his college career. Um, but I think there's some, you know, there's some secret, secret players in that draft that I think that could make a huge impact in the league. Absolutely. And so now we will move on. We'll actually go back to college basketball. I love it. Now we're talking. You know how I am with college hoops, man. So, you know, we talked about kind of lead in here, uh, college basketball. Talk a little bit about the NIL, the transfers, and then I think the big recruiting news is Bronny James. I think I predicted it on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, Bronny James going to USC. Um, you know, I think we kind of, I kind of saw it because I didn't know if he would end up, I didn't know if he could end up anywhere else. Again, he has improved dramatically since his sophomore year of high school, junior high school. I still think he's a two-year college player. I don't think he's a one-and-done guy. And and that's watching a little bit of film on it. Yeah, I don't think he's one-and-done. I think, I think, being in college will serve him well. I really do. I agree. And, folks, I know you can't see it because we're not doing video tonight. Al is drinking chocolate milk. Uh, I asked him if he was eight. He did say no on that, so that's a little bit shocking. But Hey, shout out to uh, chocolate milk, best milk that you can drink, Kroger brand. Yeah, if Nesquik wants to sponsor us, well, I'll happily start drinking chocolate milk. Then we can film with uh, um, DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's scared. That's me. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get big like DK. He drinks lots of chocolate milk, so I figured I'd start on the start drinking more. Probably not a bad idea. So the only thing lacking are my push-ups at the end of the night. <laughs> we can't all be perfect. So I, I think you look at. The, the obvious circus that's going to surround Bronny James. Hey, how do you think Andy Enfield's going to handle that? Hey, Andy Enfield obviously has handled phenomena before. He was the head coach of Dunk City, and they, I mean, took the world by storm. But how do you kind of – I mean, this is going to be something. This is at least for one season, if not for two. This I is going to be a media. Fire yeah, that's a, I, that's a good question. I think Andy Enfield has a good record with uh, talent. So think about this. He brought he brought the Mobley's dad in as an assistant. And look at the – I mean, look at, uh, you know, Isaiah and Evan Mobley, just kind of the career – definitely Evan, the career he's having at um, – in Cleveland. And uh, it looks like that was a clean – you know, it looks like that was a clean situation, like a good situation. Like, it looks like the, you know uh, – uh, Evan Mobley, their father, you know, obviously has the basketball knowledge to be on staff, but, uh, you know, it looks like his, the, 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 the Mobley brothers, you know, enjoyed being there and enjoyed playing for Andy Enfield. And I think, 
I think uh, Coach Enfield will do a great job. I think he's a great coach, and um, he's definitely turned that around and got them going in the right direction. So I think they're going to be a fun team to watch in the Pac-12. I think Pac-12 basketball is getting, you know, it's just got more exciting. Yeah, it, it, Pac-12 bas- basketball definitely just, I mean, picked up immensely. And I think offensively, Anfield lets his guys play. So I think that fits Bronny being able to make shots and being able to – he really likes that, you know, corner, corner catch and shoot three, the wing catch and shoot three coming off screens. I think, I think Enfield's offense, you know, suits guys that can – that are at that, you know, six three, six four height that can really shoot the ball. Um, yeah. And so moving on a little bit, obviously the big transfer news of the last couple of weeks is Hunter Dickinson commits to good. How did he make that? He didn't even – he was just – sorry, folks. Jokic just made a three where you'll see it. You saw it live. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. He didn't even try to make that. Yeah. Back to uh, back to Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas. You know, I, Al, kind of what are your thoughts on that? His reasoning was straight up NIL. Yeah, I remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the NIL. We were talking about Arkansas. We were focusing on Arkansas's uh, – well, not their NIL, but their transfer portal and who they picked up. But we were talking about Jesse Edwards going to West Virginia – and we were talking about Kirk Kreese going to West Virginia. Uh, we were talking about just big guys, big guys in the Big 12, and just the the big the Big 12 is known for their big guys, their their big five uh, centers. Um, I think Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas. I think that's a perfect fit. He's a perfect, he's a perfect perfect Kansas big guy, and uh, you know I think I think Kansas is going to be in a good spot. I think Kansas is. I think getting him there is a huge, huge piece for Bill Self. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think he's going to be one of the top players in the Big 12, you know, to start the season. So who's going to graduate first, Hunter Dickinson or Perry Ellis? What's Perry Ellis as well, like a 13th-year junior now? <laughs> Ellis is coming back for his fifth year. What, his fifth time, five times four year? That guy's been there since the turn of the century. It's interesting. Does I think Bill Self comes back to more his, you know, post-game, his four-round one, really, you know, you know, trying to get those lob plays that he really likes to run, really trying to get that – clear that backside defense, throw the lob um, on, the, on the seals with the big. I think Hunter Dickinson, he's a perfect player for that. So – I think Bill Self kind of goes back to his old playbook and, uh, you know, tries to really hit the high-low game and just be dominant with with his big man. So I think Dickinson, I think that's just a good fit for him. I really think that was a – when I saw Kansas on the board, I thought that was, that was probably the spot he'll land. So moving on to our favorite teams are two of our – some of our favorite teams, uh, Ole Miss and yeah. Chris Beard. Chris Beard's been all over the transfer portal. He yeah. had two big guys in Musa Siasa from Oklahoma State and then Jamarion Sharp from Western yeah. Kentucky. Yeah, that's – that's those are some – those are two interesting pieces just to bring yeah. in. 
I don't know. They're obviously not going to be a play on the court at the same time the way Beard plays. But, yeah. you know, Beard continuing to bring it, really turn over that Ole Miss roster. Be interesting to see if Matthew Morrell comes back there. Um, I get yeah. right now he's not going to. but uh, that's he, has, he has good numbers at the uh, NBA draft. I think he had the highest vert. Um, uh, and then he, I think he had the highest standing vert, too. Just athletically, his numbers, you know, stood out to a lot of guys at the NBA draft. Was that in Chicago this year? Yeah, I think that was the G yeah. League Combine that just happened. Okay, that was the okay, G League Combine. That's right. Um, so, it'll be interesting. I think – I guess Beard – sorry, I was trying to think. I guess Beard's just really going to get those rim protectors to and pressure defense. Um, and you know, I think if you look at Alabama last year, their size gave people a lot of trouble. So I think I think Chris Beard's trying to match that with bringing in those two big guys at Ole Miss. Well, and if you look in the SEC, I mean, really across the conference last year, the big men in the SEC just gave – I mean, there were a lot of solid big guys. You look yeah. at Kentucky with Oscar Shibway. Alabama with Charles Betiaco, Florida yeah. with Colin Castleton, Mississippi State with Tolu Smith, Vandy with the guy's name I can't pronounce, but he's been there for like 84 years. Oh, Melora Brown, that was it. And then yeah. the Paul Center, I can't think of his name at the moment. But the SEC really last year I thought had a lot of big men. You talked about the Big 12 really being a big big man conference. I feel like the SEC last year had a lot of good big men. Yeah. It's interesting. Ole Miss is bringing in two bigs that aren't really known for their scoring, you know. So he's bringing in the you know the rim protector, defensive type bigs, so and rebounders. So it'll be yeah. interesting. It'll be interesting to see who he can surround those two guys with, just at the guard position. Yeah, and then as we were talking about in this state, Mississippi State, Chris Jans brings in two guys in Jimmy Bell, the former West Virginia center, started every game for West Virginia. Really? I would imagine Tolu Smith comes back to Starkville. Jimmy Bell will come off the bench. And then the big pickup, Andrew Taylor from Marshall, averaged, I think, 20 and a half a ball game last year for the Thundering Herd. He signs with Chris Jans, uh, probably one of Mississippi State's biggest pickups in the portal uh, to date in any year. Yeah. But, you know, I, again, I think that basketball in the state of Mississippi is going to be extremely fun for as long as those two guys are at those schools because they are high, high-level coaches. Yeah, I agree. If Dan Tony, if Dan Tony, uh if he's still, you know, Dan Tony's little brother is still at Marshall, that Marshall transfer at state, he's going to do big things. Yeah, um, Dan, Dan Tony, yeah, he is still. Yeah. So I just know he, you know, I think Jans is getting a, a kid that just intelligent wise, I basketball IQ is definitely high level. So, and I don't you think state was missing maybe that outside three point just knockdown shooter last year? Absolutely. I mean, so that's, I think that's, that's one thing we, we that were, was maybe y'all's Achilles' heel in that pit game. Yeah, y'all can make if y'all can make if y'all can make a couple more shots, y'all are going to be a tough team, a tough out just because of y'all's size and athleticism and and just defensive prowess. You know, tough defense. You know, I think y'all could have given UConn some problems just 
just with y'all's athleticism, you know? Yeah, we matched. We've actually, and this sounds like people probably think I'm blowing smoke. Y'all reminded me of that San Diego State type team. We actually matched up decently with UConn because we could match them size-wise because obviously um, Sonogo would have been guarded by Tolu. Uh, Caravan, DJ Jeffries would have guarded Caravan. Now, I don't know what we would have done at some of the other, you know, the Jack or what was the Jackson? I think was the guy, the guard's name. Yeah, yeah, Jackson. Um, you know, I, I think again, I think basketball in the state of Mississippi is going to be fun for the next. Uh, for the I agree. So, moving on, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward yeah, to some, absolutely. So, moving some on, college on. basketball. Yeah, last segment of the night, we will go over the top. 10 players under the age of 25. And we are, we're also probably going to take out the guys who are uh, 24, just because I don't know how many of them are actually, um, how many of them actually already turned 25. So, um, you know, I think you start number 10. I go Paolo Bencaro. The, the reigning now reigning rookie of the year out of Orlando he had a great year. I think he's one of the rising stars in this league. Yeah, that's a good. No, I like him. Yeah, I like Paolo. Obviously, Mike Miller got him on his agency. Um, being rookie of the year, rookie of the year is a you know that's a big that's that's big time. Look, yeah. at, you know, you're in the same category as LeBron. You're in the same category as Michael Jordan. Um, so, I like Paolo, and I like where his game's headed for sure. Yep. Number nine, Tyrese Maxey. You know how high I am on Tyrese Maxey. I think he's one of the the top four or five young point guards in the league right now. He is just, He's doing very, very special things, and he's really yeah. been a catalyst. And I'm telling you, if D'Antoni gets that Philly job, I mean, he could unlock something with Tyrese Maxey running the show there. Yeah, I like I like Maxi a lot. Uh, I think he's got a lot of leadership uh, capabilities. His players really trust him, and uh, you can tell he kind of at times was their number two option. You know, yeah. on that on that Philly team. So I like his upside for sure. And obviously, coming from you know Kentucky, he kind of has that. You know, he comes from the pedigree for sure. So yeah. I like where his game's at for sure. Number eight on the list. I'll go Jalen Green in Houston. Okay. I, I think I think he is. I think he's got the ability to be really, really special in this league. High volume guy. And he shoots threes at almost a fifty percent clip. I mean, he. I mean, I now I think a lot of his problem is he's overshadowed because his team's terrible. Yeah, I, I think I think he is going to be a star in this league for the foreseeable future. He's just got to get a little bit of help in Houston. But that could that could change with some draft help in the summer. Absolutely. Would you would you pick? Um, so Desmond Bain, all right. Desmond Bain's twenty four. Do you put Desmond Bain behind Jalen Green or ahead of Jalen Green? I'll put him ahead of Jalen Green right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. But I was, was going to ask you that kind of where you think Desmond Bain falls on that under twenty five list. Well, well, I didn't add Dad because Des was twenty four, and I didn't want to confuse everybody. Oh yeah, 
but yeah. but I would rank I would rank Dez ahead there. I, okay. I think Dez, okay. and I, I don't know this because Dez is a better player. I think he's further along in his belt. Yeah. Yeah. So that was number eight. We'll go number seven now. And I'm going uh, a guy I'm just extremely, extremely high on Scotty Barnes in Toronto. Yeah. I, the Raptors are so high on this kid. I mean, there were teams who wanted him last year at the deadline, and they just were not going to give him up for anything. Just I, I, he is just scoring at such a rate right now. And he plays, I mean, him and I, I'm telling you, I hear a lot of people say, well, Toronto's going into a rebuild. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You're rebuilding around Siakam and Scotty Barnes. That's not a rebuild. That's a retool and figure this thing out. Yeah, I like Scotty a lot. Um, his size really shocked me. I didn't realize how big he was when he was at Florida State. Um, but he's just your versatile NBA player. Can guard one through five and handle the ball, can pass. Um, you know, he's he's just kind of your prototypical NBA three or four guy that you're looking for. Um, obviously a bigger three and kind of your, you know, smaller four. Um, I think his outside shooting is to keep improving, but I think that's a lot of players in the league. And, uh, you know, you got guys that are willing to work on it. So I, I see him continuing to grow and develop in the next couple of years. Absolutely. So I, I like him in that position. So number six on the list. I start struggling a little bit at this point because there's a lot of good players. I go Evan. Mobley. I go Evan Mobley. Okay. I, I think he's one of. I mean, he's one of the the rising stars in this league. We saw it this year in Cleveland, and what Cleveland's doing right now is extremely impressive, and he's a huge part of that. Yeah, I like I like Mobley a lot. I think. You know, look, he was he was rivaling Jaron for that, you know, uh, what was that, Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, Defensive Player of the Year. So, you know, he's got a lot of upside for sure. Absolutely. And his, his offensive skill set is there, too. I really like his offensive skill set. So, and you go I think, look I think, his advanced numbers. His advanced I, numbers are off the charts. Yeah, his big – you know, I think Cleveland has a big three that's going to be in the playoffs for the, for many years to come. Yeah. So, number five, funny you mentioned him because I'm adding him, Jared Jackson, Jr., the yep. now reigning defensive player of the year. Jared is just – Jared's a true unicorn out there. I mean, he he's elite offensively. He is – shut down defensively. Yeah. And it's just so scary to watch him play. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, I, I do think his game can take that next step, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what the next step is for Jerry. Like, is it, is it, you know, getting better – he does so many good things. I, I don't know where you go from here if you're Jaron Jackson. Kind of what are your thoughts on that? I think he'll keep improving, putting his putting the ball on the floor. Um, you know, from that 15, 16 foot mark, being able to I, I think that's one thing. If if he can improve when Anthony Davis is playing him more physical and really pushing him out of the lane and out of the paint area, his ability maybe to catch the ball, put it on the floor and attack. 
I think that's a new. I think that's a step that will make him that much more effective as an offensive player. I think defensively, man, he made some great plays all year, and uh, you know, I, I, I just you know, just want to keep encouraging him to keep playing with a high motor because when he plays with a high motor, he's one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, so. absolutely. And by the way, I'll add a uh, disclaimer to this: Zion's not on this list because Zion's injured all the time. I think that's fair. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be mean, but he's injured all the time. So yeah, remember they tried to give Zion the Rookie of the Year over Ja. And it yeah, was like, that, I mean, that would have been that would have been stupid. Yeah, they wanted it though. Yeah. So number four, and this is a guy I'm I'm just over the moon high for, or high on, I guess. And it is uh, it's Shea Gildas Alexander. Yeah. And even though, yes, he's 24, he is young, so he's not 25 yet, I just wanted to add him because I'm so incredibly high on what he does, his yeah. skill set, and his, the jump he made this year from last year was just astronomical. He's in the perfect system, too. He's on a great team that really can utilize his skill set. Well, hey, uh, he's on a young team. Yeah, he's on a per. I love I love him in I love him in OKC. I really do. I think he's in a he's kind of that Russell Westbrook type role, you know, just going off for them. Just kind of like, hey, go score 30 for us. Um so I, I like him. I like where he is and I um I I'm, I really like kind of where his career's headed for sure. I think yeah. he's going to be a multi-year all-star. Yeah. And I mean, I, I you may agree. I don't. I don't know what your thoughts on this, but I kind of believe adding Chet to the mix next year is going to unlock even more in his game. Oh yeah, because Chet's gonna kind of offer that pick and pop type um, role for him. You know what I mean? And that's gonna, yeah. you know, Chet. It, it's gonna it's gonna pull that big out of the lane, and it's also going to, you know, force that big guy to make a decision because you can't hedge, you can't hedge with Chet popping. So I think, I think, I think that kind of opens up Shea really attacking downhill. And that's what he's, I think best at. So getting to the realm and being crafty. So I really like where he's, his, where his game's headed for sure. Yep. And number three, Anthony Edwards. I mean, this kid, he is, if you would have told me what he was going to – watching him at Georgia, if you would have told me he's going to be a, a, this good in the league, I don't know that I would have believed you. What he's yeah. done in just two years is absolutely incredible. You forget that he's only been in the league two years because oh, yeah. he – you know, he's filling it up. Like, he is it's, – it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what – was this his third year though, right? Yeah, this may be this yeah, may be your yeah, three. Okay, sorry. this is yeah, your third year. Still incredibly um, impressive. But but just what he's done is unbelievable. And some of the game like some of the games he had against the Grizzlies last year, almost hit a big shot and was that game was that game five? Game five he did hit a big shot, but then Ja hit a bigger shot. Well, I'm talking about this year against the Nuggets. Yeah, he, he, remember that, yeah, this year. Yeah. Hey, remember that ball went in and out. Yeah. Balling in and out, so he almost hit a huge shot just to keep them in it. So, yeah. but uh, he's 
He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Number two, the guy we've talked about, and I hope he gets his mind right and his head right and gets his life together because he is this good. It's John Morant. I mean, and, I mean it's, it's a highlight reel every time this kid plays. He is right. one of the most incredible athletes I've ever seen live. And this year he added the three point to his arsenal and he just keeps getting better and better and better and better. And I mean, this the sky is truly the limit for him on the court. And as we talk about to start the show, like it, it truly comes down to can he get it right off the court? Because on the court, there's no telling how good this kid's going to be. Right. I agree. Um, would you, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's just going to be interesting to see how, where his career goes from here. And I'm really rooting for the kid. And uh, just watching him in some of these playoff games against the Lakers, like he had that – I mean, he literally, what, scored like 22 and a quarter. I think that fourth quarter was that well, game. He scored 22 straight and literally yeah, – 20, he, he literally basically said, I'm going to drag the Grizzlies across the finish line and try to win this thing. In game three. So, he just does some things where you're just like, that's just unreal. Going up, going up with the right hand, switching it to his left and dunking the ball at the end of a quarter, like does some amazing things. You just want to keep – you just want to see him, you know, you want to see him begin to do the right things off the court and really allow him to focus on his on his upside that he has in the game of basketball. So, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely one of the best players in the NBA for sure. Yeah, I mean, and this and 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 the next two guys we mentioned, John included, they're not. This isn't just under twenty five. This is they're probably in the top ten of players in the game at the moment. Right, for sure. Um, number one, I think you know who it's going to be. Um, it's Luca. He is just. I mean, the things that kid does with a basketball is just absolutely incredible. The fact that three teams passed on. Drafting him is, is absolutely technically it was four. Uh, technically it was only two because the Hawks. Did he? Where did he go? Did he go three? He went. Which one went three and which one went five? So Luca went to Atlanta. He originally went to Atlanta. Did he go three to Atlanta or did he go five to Atlanta? Because the Grizzlies uh, are sandwiched in there at four with Jared. Let and me I look. I'm trying to think. Luca was selected three. Jaron was four. Trey Young was five. Okay, yeah. So Mo, there Mo Bamba was six. Yeah, number two was Marvin Bagley. So the Kings, Marvin, yeah. yeah, the Kings really could have fa- uh, hastened that rebuild if they would have just drafted Luca instead of drafting Marvin Bagley. Was that the eight? Was that the Aiton draft? Yeah, DeAndre Aiton was one. Yeah, imagine how scary Phoenix would be with Luca. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what about Trey Young? We putting him? He's only twenty four. Are we putting him in this list? Yeah, yeah. I thought about it, but uh, Trey may be twenty five at this point. I just wanted to add Shay because Shay's one of my favorite players. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, look. If you extended it to twenty five and under. Tatum's on the list. Fox is on the list. Young is on the list. 
Um, you know, and you basically you're bumping people down because if you add the and like Lamelo, I want to add Lamelo, but Lamelo's been injured most of his career. Yeah, you know, Tyrese Halliburton and, was right on the cut line of that. Yeah, line. and Jalen Brunson's 26, so he's a little bit older. And we talked about Bain. I think Bain would have made the list. If we said 25 and under, but we wanted to do under 25, and I know Shea is still under 25. So yeah, um, you know that that's my list. Um, yeah. I like it. No, I like it. it. No, I like it. Depending on, I think Trey's 24, so maybe throwing him in there potentially. Yeah. Um, I got to, I got to check because I know he's kind of. If I would have slotted, I would have said, I would say Trey probably five. Yeah. Yeah. Move everybody back. Yeah. I like Trey. I think, I think Ja, you know, I think Ja would be ahead of Trey Young right now. Um, but uh, but Trey does have a you know he has an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, so um, I, I forget about that. He does. So you know that was the Ben. We can sit here and rank guys all day. You know, Simmons I think that's what makes the. I that's think right. That was the, yeah, I think that was that the Ben Simmons lost his jump shot series. That was that was uh, Ben Simmons jump shot podcast coming soon. Um, it's not on the horizon. <laughs> go through every aspect on how his jumper can improve um but first uh, he has to shoot it that's right <laughs> but i think that's what i think the nba is in a good place i really do um we just gotta you know keep guys on the court and keep them keep them performing at a high level keep them keep them healthy Absolutely. so and i i think this coaching carousel is gonna be interesting in the summer so it'll be fun to It'll be fun to to see what happens going forward. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. But I like that top ten. I think that's a good top ten. I really do. And before we get off tonight, I will give everybody, if you live under a rock or something or didn't check the score, we will give one final Jokic update. He is a 31 and 19 and 12 tonight on 12 of 16 shooting, three of three from three. He's got 12 assists. If you wanted his plus plus minus, he's a measly plus nineteen. So he's got twelve assists. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had a triple double in the third quarter. That's crazy. But he's killing it. He's killing yeah, it. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for our show. Real tonight. quick, r- real quick, Rob. Who's your PGA Tour pick? PGA Championship pick. I'm going Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Is he playing? Yeah, he's playing. He's a former okay. champion. That's right. That's right. I guess that's. It don't matter if you're a live golfer. If, if you're a former champ, you can come compete. Yep. You can tee it up with the best of the best at the PGA Tour. Um, I'm going to go Xander Schauffele. Okay, Xander. Okay. Well, that will do it for tonight. We hopefully will be back Friday with the podcast, and we'll actually talk a little bit about the PGA in the first round. That's- but that will do it for us tonight. We will see you all later.